but I was I was very surprised at the difference between say Ghana and Togo because uh, when we went to Lome, we were right on the border with Ghana, like right where the fence is, and you could see such a difference between Ghana and Togo by just looking at each side of the fence. That Ghana is so much more developed. Um, it you know the standard of living is higher. You can tell just the roads are better. Uh, everything else. And Ghana has a lot of things that you won't see everywhere else in the world. Uh, one of the things I thought was very interesting was the names of a lot of the businesses. You know, you'll have like uh, God Loves You Computer Repair or uh, Jesus Saves Coffee House or something like that. Uh, very religious names for the businesses. And I've never seen that anywhere else in the world. Yeah, but I've told a lot of people that, you know, if you're going to West Africa, I think uh, Ghana is probably the best place to visit as a tourist because it's the most developed uh, everyone speaks English it's easy to get around and you probably have a better experience there than you might in some other countries welcome friends to the entrepreneur speaks I'm your host Kofi Anumedu each week I host an amazing entrepreneur on their journey successes and challenges it is my hope that we'll learn from their experiences as we all work towards living a life of passion and purpose. My guest, Gary Ant, is a blogger and a photographer. He's the author of the travel blog, Everything Everywhere. In 2007, he sold his house and has been traveling around the world ever since. He joins me today on the Entrepreneur Speaks podcast to share his journey as well as his experiences. Welcome to my show, Gary. Thank you for having me. Let's kick off today's conversation by getting to know you some more. Please tell us a bit about yourself and how your childhood was like. Uh, I had a normal childhood. I grew up in the middle of the United States. Uh, and from where I live, I never actually saw the ocean until I was 21 years old. Uh, because we're so far away from it. So I know in lots of parts of the world, people have are surprised when I tell them that. Uh, but other than just traveling around the area where we lived, I never really traveled internationally growing up or anything like that. It wasn't until much later I started a business and I sold that business in 1999. It was an internet company. And the company I sold it to had offices all over the world and they had me go fly around the world to talk to their offices about internet things. And that was the first time I had ever really uh, left my country. Wow. So you talked about the internet business you were engaging. But apart from that, did you handle other businesses? Uh, no, I started this right out of university. And this was in the early 90s, 1994, uh, when the internet was very new. So it wasn't. Everyone was still kind of figuring out what it was about. And I started a company that connected websites to databases, which today is very simple, but back then it was very hard. And uh, I was just, I did it by myself and I had some companies that wanted to work with me. And then I had more business. So I hired a friend and another friend. And then several years later, I'm 28 years old and I had 50 people working for me. And then I sold wow. the business. Oh, okay. Okay. So why did you decide to sell your house in 2007 and travel? Uh, I, I came up with the idea in 2005 
and I didn't know what else to do. I didn't really have any business ideas. I had gone back to, to university to study, but that wasn't something that I wanted to do. So I came up with this idea. I didn't have a wife or children or anything. I, I didn't have a job. So I had the time to do it and I had some money. So I sold the house and I thought I'd be gone for a year or two, but it, I ended up kind of traveling for over 10 years. Mm. <laughs> now let's talk a lot more about your travels. So which country did you first visit and how was the experience like? So when I first started, I, I just went west. And so I went to Hawaii and then I learned how to scuba dive. And then the first foreign country I guess I went to was French Polynesia and Tahiti. And then from there I went to Easter Island and then I went to the Cook Islands and New Zealand. And I took about nine months to cross the Pacific Ocean. And I visited a lot of the little island countries like Samoa, Tonga, Vanuatu, Micronesia, uh, these places that a lot of people, they don't really ever visit. And yeah, so it took me till the end of 2007, really, to just sort of cross the ocean. Whoa. So, you know, which countries and continents have you visited so far? Well, I visited every continent. Um, oh, okay. A couple times, actually. And All I've right. been to 130 of the countries that are in the UN. So... 130? Yes. Wow. <laughs> 130? Whoa. Wow, 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 wow. So if I should ask you to give me, um, let's say, your top 20 countries, what would that list be? Oh, top 20. So it's always hard to say for a country because most countries, even small countries, are pretty big, right? There's a lot to it. And mm -hmm. wherever you go to a country, you're going to have an experience that's based on the weather, the time of year, the people you meet, and uh, what you want to go see. So you could see something that's kind of interesting. And I think every country has something uh, that's appealing about it and that makes it unique. And you just have to go to those places. And if someone doesn't go to those places, they may have a, a bad experience. But if you, if you go to some of the neat places, you'll have a great experience. Mm -hmm. So what do you typically do on these trips? Share, share these experiences with us. Oh, it depends. Uh, it really depends on the place. I've done all sorts of uh, different things depending on where I've been. Um, I've gone dog sledding up in northern Canada. I've been scuba diving. I've been bungee jumping in New Zealand. I've been on safaris in Africa. I've, wow, you name it. I've, I've done all sorts of stuff. Uh, even got to land on a, a fighter, on, a, on an aircraft carrier once and get launched from it, uh, which is one of the most interesting things I've done. Whoa. <laughs> I'm amazed at these experiences. So what do you typically do when you get to a country and, for example, you can't speak their language? Do you hire a translator uh, or an interpreter? What do you do? Or how do you handle those experiences? Most countries, if you're there as a tourist, you can probably get by with English because English has become the international language of tourism. So it's not the same in every country, but then you usually, you know, uh, can learn a few words so I can, I can get by, I can order food in like French and German. Uh, if I'm going to a country that doesn't speak one of those languages, you can usually kind of figure it out smaller countries. If they're the only country maybe that speaks that language, uh, they're almost certainly going to be speaking something else as well. So they can communicate with the rest of the world. Mm. Now I want us to have a feel of the places you've gone to 
the stories you picked up, the experiences and lessons you've picked up. So if you can share some of them with us, the stories, the experiences, and the lessons you picked up, can you share some of these with us? Uh, sure. I've, you know, one story that I have is I actually changed a law in a country. I was, uh, the nation of Kiribati is a very tiny collection of islands in the Pacific. And at the time, Americans had to have a visa to enter Kiribati. So I got a visa because it's a, such a small country. There's only 100,000 people in the country. Uh, I went to the embassy in Fiji. I did everything. But on the way there, my passport got wet because I got caught in the rain in the Solomon Islands. And the ink bled off the page. So when I arrived at the airport, they wouldn't let me in the country. And they put me on a flight a few hours later back to Fiji. And I sent an email to the minister of tourism. And he sent the email to the prime minister. And then after that, Americans didn't need a visa anymore to go to Kiribati. Uh, so I actually changed a law in a country. Um, wow. <laughs> one of the lessons I've learned is to never have too much of a, a schedule. I always try to be very flexible in what I do because a lot of times you only learn about things when you get to a country. And so if you have too rigid of a schedule, then I, th I don't think you'll have as good a time as if you just sort of go and let things unfold however they do. Are there other lessons you've picked up on your numerous travels you'd like to share with my listeners? Yeah, I think most people, in, you know, there are obvious differences between different countries. There are cultural differences and language differences. But at a certain level, I think most people are the same. They want the same things in life. You know, they want what's good for their family. They go to, they work every day. And uh, if you can connect with people at that level, then I think you can always kind of get by. Uh, you can appreciate the differences, but uh, the way you connect with people is through the commonalities and the way that we're all the same. Now let's look at Africa. Which countries have you visited in Africa and how was the experience really like? I've visited quite a few countries in Africa. Um, so most everything in the South. I've been to South Africa, Lesotho, Botswana, uh, Namibia, Mozambique, Zambia, Zimbabwe. And uh, I took a, a boat once, a ship. We started in Cape Town and we went all the way up to Morocco. And along the way, we stopped in Namibia, Angola, the Republic of Congo, Benin, Togo, Ghana, Sao Tome, Principe, Sierra Leone, Gambia, Senegal, and the Western Sahara. And then I've also done trips to Egypt and uh, Ethiopia separately. Oh, that's, that's quite a good number. <laughs> so, so since I'm based in Ghana, I would certainly want to know your experience in Ghana. How long did you stay? What did you see in Ghana? And how was the general experience like? Uh, it was actually really good. So I was, it was on that trip with the ship. So we had two stops. It was in Accra for one. And then we were in Cape Coast uh, for the other one, uh, where we went to the, the historic forts and, and stuff in Cape Coast. But I was, I was very surprised at the difference between, say, Ghana and Togo. Because uh, when we went to Lome, we were right on the border with Ghana, like right where the fence is. And you could see such a difference between Ghana and Togo by just looking at each side of the fence that Ghana is so much more developed. Um, it, you know, the standard of living is higher. You can tell just the roads are better, uh, everything else. And Ghana has a lot of things that you won't see everywhere else in the world. Uh, one of the things I thought was very interesting was the names of a lot of the businesses. 
you know, you'll have like uh, God loves you computer repair or <laughs> uh, Jesus saves coffee house or something like that. Uh, very religious names for the businesses. And I've never seen that anywhere else in the world. Wow. That's interesting. Which year was this? This would have been in 2014. 2014. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it'll be seven years this summer that I did it. That's longer than I thought. And I'd like to go back, actually, because I did only visit that part near the coast, and I would like to go further inland, uh, you know, to to see a lot more of the country. Yeah, there's a lot to, for you to see. There's Ashanti region, the northern part of Ghana. They all have rich culture and, 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 and heritage. So you should you should visit again and see the other parts of Ghana. Yeah, but I've told a lot of people that, you know, if you're going to West Africa, I think uh, Ghana is probably the the best place to visit as a tourist because it's the most developed. Uh, everyone speaks English. It's easy to get around. And you probably have a better experience there than you might in some other countries. That's very true. That's very true. So I encourage my listeners, those who are yet to visit Ghana, take a trip to Ghana and, and you won't regret that visit. You, you are a blogger and, and, and a photographer. And my show is based on encouraging entrepreneurs and will-be entrepreneurs to forge on, forge on and also overcome the challenges they are, they are facing. So having engaged in this current, having engaged in this um, activity for quite some time, what will be your advice or tips? for people who are desirous of building careers either in blogging or in photography? Well, photography has become very hard because most of the places that used to buy photos no longer buy photos anymore. And that uh, most people are going to just use it to maybe grow a following on social media or they'll use it as something else. But just being a photographer has become quite hard. You know, what most people pay money for, for photography now is like a wedding photo or photos of children or things like that. But to be a travel photographer, that's become very hard. And and a lot of the people I know who've been doing it a very long time, even if they did photographs for magazines, are having a hard time finding work because all the magazines are are out of business now. They're just, they're just not around. Um, So if you want to improve as a photographer, I think there are easy ways to do it just photographing the things around you and your community. But to make it a business has become very difficult lately because everyone has a phone now. Uh, You know, they have a phone in their pocket and that's really hurt the business. As far as being a blogger, more and more it's become uh, just having a a very information-rich website. So in travel, what I'm seeing is it used to be you could be successful just traveling around the world and, and talking about your travels Nowadays, most people are, if they're finding success with a website, it's going to be having a, an information resource website for people that want to visit a certain place. So if you did a website about visiting Ghana and you just had a very, you know, filled with all the different things you can do and the places you can stay and restaurants and information about how to get from here to here, the bus system, everything like that, that's, that'd be the thing that would probably work. So how do you fund your trips? Are you sponsored on, for these trips? How do you fund your trips? Uh, it depends. So I would say the first five to seven years I did this, everything I just paid for myself because I love traveling. 
And when you're traveling full time, uh, you actually save a lot of money because you're not spending money on having a home and paying for electricity and water and you know all the things that you would normally pay for when you lived at home. As the site grew more popular and more people started to following me, then I started getting more trips sponsored. But that's kind of all disappeared now because of the virus and there's really no, no one's traveling anymore. Yes, I'll, I'll come to that shortly. Um, so does that mean you now have a, a whole crew you move around with? Uh, do I have a crew that I go with? Yes. No, I just always travel by myself. Okay, all right. Then. I thought maybe you had people you moved with. All right, then. No. now let's look, at, let's look at the pandemic, COVID-19 and its effects on travels. I'm sure... It has hindered your, your ability to move like you used to do. How has the experience been like? Um, I haven't been anywhere in almost a year. I was in Portugal in February of last year. And on the last day of February, I flew home and I was sick for a week. I think I actually had COVID, uh, but it was still early on. So no one was really there. You weren't able to get testing. And by that point, it was after it had been done, it wasn't worth getting tested anymore. Uh, but that's that's all I've done. I haven't been anywhere since uh, February of last year, and it, it doesn't look like I'm going to be going anywhere anytime soon. So travel is has pretty much stopped for me right now. I'm sure you're really feeling it because you are used to hopping on a plane and moving around to meet people and pick up experiences. So what what are you doing the time being? Are you working on the the the, the your blogging and photography. What have you been doing during this period that you don't get to travel? Uh, I launched a new podcast and that pretty much been taking up all my time. I started it in July and I've been, it's a daily podcast. I do it every single day and I tell stories from uh, different places around the world, uh, different people, places, and things. And every day is something completely different. So uh, some are from history, some are about science, some are about geography. And uh, that's where all my efforts going. So, what's the name of the podcast so my listeners can go and check it out? It's called Everything Everywhere Daily, and you can find it pretty much anywhere you get podcasts. So, we are just about wrapping up. Do you have any last words or pieces of advice for my listeners? You know, it's all about uh, hustle and how hard you work. So, when I started uh, this new podcast, I was starting something brand new. I started, you know, everyone, when you start something, you have to start at zero. And when I've been, as I've been doing this, it's very tempting to look at other people and see other people who are successful. And then you feel, well, I'm not doing that well. And I try to ignore what everyone else is doing. And I just look at my own success and every day, just try to do it a little bit better. And if you do that over one or two years, then you're going to see the success, but you basically have to constantly keep doing it, even though no one may be paying attention at first. And it's most people give up and that's why they're not successful. And if you just don't give up, then one day after several years, you'll be an overnight success. Suddenly everyone will think you're successful, even though it took you a long time to get there. Thank you so much, Gary, for spending time to talk to us about your experiences. We wish you the very best. And I'm hoping that when things stabilize, we can get to meet in Ghana. To, to, I would to, to, to love see, to come back. Yeah. Sure, sure, sure. To see Ghana together. We wish Where you are you in Ghana? Ghana? Where do you live I'm in Ghana? I'm in Accra. I'm in oh, Accra. Okay. Yeah, no problem.
Yes. So next time you visit Ghana, just let me know. Okay. I will do that. Thank you for having me on your podcast. So this has been another exciting episode of the Entrepreneur Speaks podcast. Our guest was Gary. I'll come your way next time with another exciting episode. I remain your host, Kofi Animedu. Do take good care of yourself and let's continue to keep up. Cheers. Cheers.